0: welcome to the mi hunting podcast this episode gonna be giving an update on my season so far and talking in-season scouting all right welcome to the mi hunting podcast thank you for listening again so yeah so this episode i mean it's I mean, we're in November. I mean, this is the time that every deer hunter is looking forward to. You know, the rut has been going on. At least that's what I've been told anyways. Uh, I've been having one heck of a season so far where I've been really, you know, swinging and missing really. Throughout most of the season, if not primarily in this late season where I had, yeah, I've really been struggling. Apparently over the past couple of years of getting on deer during the early part of the season, so I've been relying more so on the later part, so late no, late October and into November. Even this year, I've been struggling to get on uh, any deer. So I've yet to lay eyes on a single uh, buck that I would be considered to be a shooter. And and it's not for lack of trying. I mean, I've got areas that do have some really good bucks. Uh, primarily one that I've been really focusing on, but I've yet to be able to you know get into you know the swing of it where I'm actually you know sitting at the same time that these bucks are coming through now a few weeks back I did manage to harvest a doe down at the private piece I hunt so that again sitting over the food plot knowing that that was going to be a hot commodity for the evening hunt end up sitting in there did have some smaller year and a half old bucks come out and then a group of does as well that came out a little bit later after the bucks took off group of four came out with a couple fawns and uh, i think even a button bug was with them there they came across from the food plant all the way over to my side where i was sitting in my blind put a 20 yard shot on her and you know that ended up kind of working out to where i end up uh if you remember episode with calvin dennis who's a uh a tracker with his dog he actually um i just gotten done doing an interview with him uh, a couple days prior and ended up having to give him a call so essentially what ended up happening is the doe came in it was about 22 23 yards put a shot on her and ultimately you know i wasn't able to exactly determine what the point of impact was when she was running away i saw the backside where the shot looked a bit back you know, i did see some blood coming out but it was very slow definitely looked like part liver so end up having to give him a call now a couple things with that so the the doe was slightly according to me so i, I knew that i was going to get a little bit further back so i tried hugging that shoulder but you know basically even at 20 the 20 yards i have i shoot a very large you know three and a half inch uh, or in vein I also run lighted knocks and even with that I didn't see where the point of impact I didn't even see my knock you know essentially I, I didn't see where the arrow hit now part of that was uh, I think partially by the design or my choice of broadhead so I basically went with a very heavy uh, a three blade that has an inch and an eighth cut so I'll show it to you here. So essentially, this is the broad head. So as you can see, it's got a very steep angle for the blades. Hold that still there. Again, 200 grain, and this is a solid one piece. Um, again, from Vantage Point Archery, you know, I've started using their heads this year. So this is the one that I had on my arrow setup at, initially what ended up happening was on the on the shot basically it ended up getting in between two different ribs so i shot in between the ribs and on the back side i clipped one rib but i didn't actually cut all the way through it just clipped it so basically uh the arrow that i was shooting with this broadhead now again my total arrow weight is about 580 grains so basically this you know that arrow met zero resistance aside from soft tissue um all the way through the deer so you know, basically I found the arrow you know, buried in the dirt. I didn't even know where my arrow was initially until I had to do a little bit of scouring and found it, you know, buried in the dirt into the into the plants of the food pot there. So ultimately didn't know the point of impact. Saw that the exit hole was back, you know, showing liver, which indicated that I was gonna have to wait it out to recover her. It started to rain as well, so I had that going against me. At the point of impact, you know there was blood at the site, but there was no, you know, sign of any blood uh, outside of that initial impact zone. But that gave Kelvin a call. Told him, you know, kind of where I thought the impact was, where the exit hole was, you know, how she took off, the direction she took off. Ultimately, we decided that it was best to let her sit. You know, anticipating that it was a liver shot, she's going to need several hours. You know, ultimately it would have came out to about six to eight hours it would have put us at like three four in the morning by the time uh we got out there so ultimately we decided to go out there next morning picked up the track right at the point of impact and willow his dog i mean she took off like she had no question about where that deer went you know she stuck her nose right in the track where that deer was standing and immediately took off to the direction she she went now she did end up going down a different trail than what the the deer ended up going with and calvin explained to me that basically that was the downwind side of that trail so basically Willow was trying to you know get in a spot where she was going to pick up as much of the scent as as she could following downwind of where the deer actually was sure enough you know we actually traveled about 180 190 yards total uh with the dog but ultimately, the deer had made it about 130 yards um, off the food plot, piled up, had probably been dead for quite a while because uh, the Kyles ended up getting the back end of her. So lost uh, essentially both hind ends and part of the backstrap and whatnot. But, you know, it was one of those deals where I didn't have good sign of, you know, being able to maintain the track on her. So, you know, basically without knowing exactly how or exact my my exact shot placement was and no blood to follow you know i think it ultimately made the right call to back out and and wait it out until you know calvin could come assist you know basically i would have been going in just you know based on what the direction of the travel was of the deer and that was about it for sign until you know potentially until i just stumbled upon the deer or found a bed or something like that so ultimately, we got the deer out, and as I started uh, getting her gutted out and whatnot, did a bit of an autopsy, and sure enough, the shot was a little bit better uh, than we thought initially. It was a little bit back, it was a little high, but you know, looking at the the organs and whatnot, ended up clipping both, or essentially getting both uh, both lungs hit the back of both lungs, and then clipped the liver as well. So uh, we. You know kevin wasn't wrong when he said that it was liver and he even said that a lot of times if you go through the liver even after you've gone through you know lung and whatnot that you're gonna pick up a lot of that material from the liver and it's gonna hide some of the other hide some of the other sign from uh from the rest of the deer so and then after i got the deer taken care of i did backtrack uh what essentially looked like what was the trail that she took and you know it was kind of uh you know, it was a good learning learning experience, and I learned a little bit more about you know after knowing exactly how the shot went, you know what the shot placement looked like, what the internal damage was on the deer. You know, ultimately, I could have probably gone after that deer right away, um, based on the actual you know what the actual shot was and how far the deer made it off to. But you know, at the time, not knowing, like I said, about the actual shot placement and not having any good blood to follow, I mean even walking it the next day there was you know most of the blood was washed away but it would have been tough to find uh, any blood anyways because there's most of it was still probably most of it was still in the chest cavity being that higher uh, higher shot on the on the body a lot of the blood pooled up inside inside the deer and wasn't spraying out like like you would like to see uh, for a good blood trail and the only other blood that I really did find is that it, she, it looks like she did bump into a tree and some of it got on the side of the tree there. So it's a pretty good spot on the tree. But outside of that, again, not any significant blood, uh, you know, even through going through the thicker cover. So big thanks to Calvin for coming out and, you know, putting some, you know, putting my mind at ease of being able to be successful at finding that deer almost right away I think it took Willow I think he timed it out it took her six minutes to get on the deer from uh, when she started so it's amazing to see what those dogs can do and even after the significant rain that we got she I mean she was on it she she was almost at the point where we had to kind of jog behind her just to keep up so you know having that resource having someone available especially if you have to wait it out or if you're unsure about how far the deer made it or if you got spotty sign and you don't want to start, you know, having to rely on grid searching and just trying to stumble upon the deer by chance. Calling in a dog tracker uh, is just gonna be another great resource to help you if you do need help recovering your deer. So after that, uh, you know, with that broadhead, you know, with it being the inch and eighth cut, you know, there is a little bit to be said about if, you know, if I had a bigger cut, would it had developed more of a blood trail? Now, I certainly think that, I certainly think that, um, the weight of my arrow and the design of this broadhead, you know, I have no shortage of potential for, uh, penetration, even though, you know in this shot in this instance on this deer i didn't hit any significant bone the fact that it basically flew through her as if it if she wasn't even there is a strong indication that you know with the design of this broadhead, and you know if i would have had a little bit better shot placement you know if i would have got more into that vital v or hugged that shoulder gotten into that shoulder a little bit better um closer to the heart that i probably would have had you know, i got a feeling that the deer probably wouldn't have even made it off as nearly as far and i probably would have had a lot easier blood trailing as well so a bit on my part for partially uh, bad uh, shot placement now you know basically with basically with the how close the deer was and how high the shot ended up being you know i do think that she she did end up ducking the string a little bit so you know just before taking the shot she did have her front leg back so I was waiting out on for her to take one more step but one thing I didn't think about in the moment was that you know she was she had her head down and eating and I'd I wish I would have thought about it because you know I just it was fresh in my mind uh, only a few days prior where I was watching a video from uh, Dr. Grant Wood about talking about when to shoot or you know basically how a deer drops so they notice a significant difference when a deer has its head up compared to when it has its head down so when it has its head down you know basically is able to you know drop and spring load into those spring load into those uh that lunge a little bit so basically it drops down loads up those muscles on the legs that way it can bound away or you know do a quick turn or bounce and get out of there so when when they had their head down it, it at least from what they were observing is that it allows them to be able to drop a little bit faster a little bit further whereas compared to if they have their head up then they can't usually basically you know as they they already have their head up so it's harder for them to drop down to be able to spin out of it when they have their head down basically they're saying as as their shoulders drop their head raises up and then they can able to you know bolt out of there a little bit easier so i do think that that doe did drop a little bit and basically i think that's partially what could have happened when the the shot ended up higher than i had or basically my endpoint was but you know what again it comes down to that's deer hunting you know things happen i could have just botched the shot a little bit and you know had ended up hitting higher than i had aimed even if that deer hadn't hadn't uh dropped so it was a good learning experience got some meat in the freezer even though I lost some of it because of the coyotes but but that's how it goes so in speaking of deer harvest you know I wanted to touch base on this a little bit so you know as most of everyone knows um, if not everyone should know at this point that the DNR has started a mandatory reporting of deer harvest so again as primarily the thing that is done is online and whatnot so with that deer, you know with that deer I was I did uh, go through that registration process and you know it's pretty simple you know one thing I know that a lot of people got hung up on is about the uh, the exact location of the deer harvest that uh, you know people are noticing they're making comment on especially on social media about the about why the dnr need knows the exact location well basically what it comes down to is that especially if you're doing it on your phone you know one of the easiest ways to pinpoint location is to go off your gps so if you're doing anything if you're if you're doing scouting if you're you know basically looking for directions if you're you know looking for a you know, looking for a restaurant nearby or something like that it's your the easiest way to pinpoint where you are and how to get directions to anything is through your phone GPS so that's a seems like what's going on in regards to the reporting that's why it's using the exact location now you know going through that it basically asks you a lot of the same questions you would on the typical survey or if you would go on and taking your deer to a check station so you know age of the deer sex you know that type of thing. You know, if it was a buck, I'm sure they're going to ask you a number of points and everything like that. But aside from that, it's, they don't get into too much detail. And then, so the next thing I want to do is actually take, you know, take a look at the at the actual uh, harvest report. So that's actually up to date, uh, basically, it's you know, real time essentially for the most part. So with this. You know, again, I'm gonna do some imagery uh, from here on out throughout the most of the podcast. So, if you know, I'm gonna try to explain it as best I can in detail for those who are just listening. But if you want to take a look at the imagery or see what I'm looking at as well, I'll also link the the harvest report, or how you get to the harvest report as well, so you can take a look at it yourself. You know, basically, so what we're looking at with it is. It does a breakdown of of the harvest so it really is not going to be as detailed as even what the questionnaires tell you you know basically it's going to be the same type of data that you would get generally at the at the end of the season or spring of the next year about basically the harvest report of the number of animals per county whether they were buck or doe and that's really about it at least that's all they initially have on on the report so you can actually break it down based on the type of season so if you want to look at the liberty youth all right so we can even go into the liberty hunt do a breakdown again a breakdown by county. so we're just going to take a look at the the total of all all the seasons so far and do an overall breakdown all right so you know for this it actually gives you a timestamp of the total report so far so as of today at 5 25 p.m there's been 73,559 deer harvested for the state so far so again it goes down basically breaking down each county alphabetically and then the number of antlered deer versus antless deer now One thing that's really interesting that I've noticed is that there's some counties that are pretty much almost a 50-50 split of dose to bucks. And then there's others that are very skewed towards the buck side. So I know that the DNR uh, especially is looking at those ratios. So, you know, basically the DNR will tell you as well as the National Deer Association that essentially they're looking for close to about a one-to-one ratio. A one-to-one ratio of bucks to does taken throughout the season. Now, in general if you look at you know fawns that are dropped in the spring you know basically if you were to do a, a general count of all the fawns uh, for the year that were born then you should see relatively close to a one-to-one ratio as well that's partially why they want to see the harvest averaged out about the same uh, basically that's the number of fawns you start out with and then that and then they're looking to have that same ratio roughly taken of deers taken off the landscape as well so basically keeps everything in balance for the from the fawns being dropped to the deer being taken at the end of the year so there's some counties that are pretty good about about being 50 50 there's others that are definitely skewed more on the buck side so and again a lot of this has to do you know this breakdown will have a lot to do with overall deer numbers as well So and in general too, a lot of these areas that have much higher, you know, harvest report are harvest reported are definitely gonna be areas that are known to have a higher population of deer as well. So you can basically look at your county, see kind of what their breakdown is, and you can kind of get an idea for the overall of the state overall. Now, one thing I do kind of wish that they would do is kind of do like a total of either so we just have the total of both there i would like to see if they actually did a bit of the the ratio comparison and then a total of each for all the counties as well but again this is something that's brand new that i i kind of wanted to highlight a little bit so people kind of knew what you know what your data from your harvest report is leaning into now. Of course, the DNR is going to take some more of that detailed information and do a, a compile, you know, compile, compile uh, a little bit more detailed report. You know, I typically know that the, the National Deer Association, for their annual deer report, they actually do a breakdown of each county based on uh, age group so for bucks and does they'll actually take breakdown of what the reported ages were and you actually get a breakdown of the age uh, the age groups or the percentage of each age group of deer that were harvested so that's usually what i'm most interested in is basically especially in the counties that i hunt in, is looking at the number of the number of deer uh, that are taken in my area what the ratio was the buck to doe and then also what the age breakdown of those deer are as well so typically you know in years you know in years past you know for a lot of the state you're looking at you know the vast majority of year and a half of bucks that were taken now there's been a a gradual shift to where now i think only about a third of all the total deer uh, taken out of the state are year and a half or younger or at least for bucks anyway so we're starting to see a shift in the age group of the deer being taken And I think that's an overall good thing. You know, we're starting to see older class deer, bigger bucks. And they're going to be, you know, something that a lot of people have been, you know, trying for a lot of the QDMA type practices is starting to kind of pay off, I think, in that regard where, you know, we're starting to get a little bit more balanced age uh, breakdown of the deer um, throughout the state. Now, there's probably some areas that probably still need a lot of work, but we are seeing where we're starting to see a breakdown of you know the the buck to doe ratio still need some more too but at least now some of the older buck uh age groups are getting represented throughout the population all right so as i said before i've been struggling with with my season so far you know i started out you know hadn't scouted quite a bit i found some new spots and kind of scouted more on areas that i you know, had hunted in the past and wanted to get a little bit more information on. Went into it early season and I, again, was batting zero. You know, a lot of the spots that showed promise, you know, based on the historical sign or the, some of the sign I was seeing, you know, ultimately didn't really produce anything that, that I was hoping for. So, again, I ended up, you know, trying to rely more on the... You know late October so that pre-rut time frame catch some of those bucks are starting to cruise more and even that I've been struggling to like I said get on uh, a deer that's worth uh, or at least one that I've actually been able to encounter yet uh, in a hunting scenario so I want to highlight one of the areas that I've been focusing on where I've gotten the most uh, potential for uh, getting a deer so this is the area that. so Ultimately, I kind of, you know, I, last year this wasn't a spot that I had hunted. It was just, just so happened that on my way home one day from work, there was a big old buck that had crossed the road and headed into this property area. So I didn't really have it scouted out or anything like that uh, during the, the primary archery season. And then I really didn't even get a chance to hunt it uh, during the main um, firearm season. So I ended up getting in there, you know, in December when there was some snow on the ground. I started scouting. Basically, I started working the area, seeing where some of the main trails were, learned a little bit about it, and then proceeded this year to do some more scouting and try to learn a little bit more about the area. So ultimately, my first scouting trip going into it, a lot of the trails, at least from what I saw from from the doe family groups is a lot of their trails are running north to south so a lot of these orange trails that are running the length of the property a lot of those were ones i found in the snow with the with those you know doe family groups especially traveling with lots of different track sizes definitely some fawns mixed into it and in that scouting for this part of the property here i did find a couple areas that had some significant Rubs. So, this is basically a patch of um, basically uh, maple saplings and some other hardwood mixed in, where it's basically a, a group of rubs throughout this area and a couple of old scrapes. Now, these scrapes, they were basically weren't really big, they were maybe only a couple feet wide, and definitely ones that weren't really maintained all that much. As I move further south, again hit another patch so this is so this is just a patch of pines that had significant rubs in there and it looked like oh, there was a bed in there I presume presumed it was a buck bed based on the thickness of the cover the size of the bed and that the fact that there wasn't a lot of beds within that area there's a couple in there and they're all relatively the same size and then the fact that there's This group of rubs mixed right into it. You know, I didn't anticipate that that was be be a A doe bedding group. So then I proceeded to build my plan for hunting So essentially what I started out with initially with my plan is to try to come in from the south So anything with a north wind come in here and I really focus on this part up here initially so basically my plan was to come up through here and get into this little patch of pines next to these hardwoods and catch anything that was coming through so so what I end up doing is I did end up putting a couple trail cameras in so I threw one trail camera on this scrape here and then I threw another one down further down here a little bit later actually in season here so we'll go back up here and focus on primary spot so again this is an area where i saw primarily a lot of the does traveling north and south and then after i placed this camera you know i basically put it on that scrape that i had found the year before i basically i freshened it up added some scent in there so i threw some basically my same routine i took some calm quest ever calm in there put it in the scrape as well as some dominant buck scent as well just to kind of prime it up and wouldn't you know it very early on there was lots of movement basically the doughs were getting into these hardwoods and catching and going through here catching a lot of them on camera and then also had several bucks that were hitting the scrape as well now primarily most of them were at night but i did have a few or at least primarily one that was hitting it during daylight so, proceeded to hunt, essentially I would put my tree stand right in this area, As it to come through, be within range of the scrape, and I and I actually had set up another mock scrape over on the left side of the cover, so basically if they were to go on either side of the cover, I'd have basically a Y shape of being able to shoot at either one of those scrapes. So essentially, after doing that, a lot of my hunts were a lot slower than I anticipated, So again a lot of times what i'll end up doing especially if the wind's working in my favor i'll do a little additional scouting so you know after sitting in a sitting here with a north wind i proceeded to continue to scout these other trails that i knew that a lot of the does were taken so one time after a hunt came in here and there was actually a doe bedded kind of on this little hillside next to the boundary line so there's a little bit of a hillside there's some ferns in there a little bit of daylight that shows and there was a, a lone doe bedded in there as i continue to move south get past a lot of the other pines and again another bit of a clearing where some of the ferns and some of the other grasses are growing in and found another area next to some oak saplings that there were several beds in there indicating that it was a doe bedding area with lots of different sizes Clear they were using quite often, and just up the hill from there is a patch of white oaks. Now this is an area that I didn't really had scouted out before, so I really didn't even know this was even here. But basically, up on top of this little hilltop, there's a bit of an oak flat. So I have an indicator here of a mature oak with the white white logo that indicates it's a white oak. Found also a historic rub in the area. And at the time I scoured it, there was actually evidence of a freshly made, rub, or freshly made scrape. So, I scouted it a little bit more, looped up a little bit further up to the northeast, and as I moved up into the more of the oak flat, I saw where there was a significant amount of browse along, you know, certain portions of these saplings. Uh, for, for these oak saplings you could basically just walk through clear as day where you could tell that deer had been browsing a lot of the leaves and branches of these small saplings have been eaten away and it was basically like a runway where you could see so they basically loop around this flat this oak flat so then I proceeded to put another camera on that scrape where the primary you know oak trees there were definitely producers uh where and you know with that again with a white oak crop there's a pretty good there's a good there's a good crop of white oaks so the deer were definitely keying in on the white oaks so definitely as soon as i got the camera again right away started getting pictures of those hitting hitting those acorns you know early morning in the evening as well and then sure enough got the additional pictures of bucks that are hitting that area as well basically cruising in there i imagine feeding on some of the acorns and then definitely hitting that fresh up scrape that i added some additional scent to so now i've pinpointed another spot that i want to hunt so i end up determining that because if i'm further south i want to focus more around this other area that has you know some additional food source and definitely some increased Uh, deer movement so i proceeded to come up with a new access point found a new tree to set up in that was basically within range of that oak tree as well as that scrape as well i did have basically a low point where off the hilltop i could see down into the ferns and down across the property about another good 80 80 yards or so so i could see if there's any additional travel north and south going past my location So I sat there a couple times again no real significant sign of movement I did end up encountering some additional hunting pressure that was more or less hunting the same area so I ended up kind of backing out of that area and trying to come up with a new game plan so from there my game plan was to try to get at that location from the north still So instead of coming down from the south, where I knew that other hunter was potentially going to come in from, I proceeded to come from the north with a new access route. So basically I determined that I could set up on both locations, both now with a wind out of the south. So essentially came in from the far far side of the property moved into both locations ultimately both these came down to where i think they're a lot better of an access point where i'm not going to be coming in from the south where potentially i'm crossing a lot more deer movement and potentially leaving some ground scent for something to realize i'm there so i come from all the way from the north rock along the property line and then essentially beeline it to my hunt locations so I have one spot at the place further north so essentially I'm now on the east side of where those rubs and scrapes are and I can see into an opening where again a lot of the travel is going north and south especially from the does so I'll set up in this other tree and actually has some pretty a promising sign right away so as i'm sitting there for an evening sit sure enough a doe and her fawn come through coming from the south cut through the hardwoods as they headed up north now one thing that i hadn't anticipated uh, primarily for this for an evening sit is i am slightly elevated above where those hardwoods are where they would cut through now it was only a slight increase in the elevation and I figure with a good south or south southwest wind that the the chances for my thermals to get sucked down into that little that little bit of a low spot there were very minimal well I learned very quickly that even you know you know if the wind dies down or even if it's a you know not a steady wind my thermals did creep down into that area so as the doe proceeded to get into this cover before she got into the to the clearing i could see her you know doing that old you know lifting her nose up and catching my scent so at this point she's only about 35 yards out but again she's she's noticing that there's something that she doesn't like and that's from my thermals getting pulled down which i later confirmed after she passed on or passed passed by that you know i did the milkweed test and sure enough that woke milkweed was getting drawn right down in her direction where she started smelling me so basically what she ended up doing is that she didn't completely spook out and i do think it's partially because of my scent control regiment you know i basically you know tried to eliminate as much of my scent as possible and i also laid down some Evercom scent which again is basically mimics the smell of deer. You know, almost like if you were in like a, a, a stall or a barn or something like that that had deer in it, it just smells like a deer and deer bedding area and that kind of almost like that musty deer smell. So, what she ended up doing, she didn't actually completely spook, but she definitely didn't like the smell. So, she actually proceeded up the other side of the hill away from me. Once she started gaining some elevation again, I think she couldn't smell me anymore because she was above my thermals that were getting sucked down into that little bowl there. And she went out about 50 yards out and just proceeded to go north still. So I learned that that spot may not be a good location for an evening sit just because of those thermals getting pulled down potentially. Now it could still work if you had a good steady wind that would continue to pull your scent away. But if you had any time where this, the wind died down, like it often does in the evening, your scent could get pulled down into that, that low spot. So that spot is more I determined to be more of a, a morning location. So even though that lower spot, as, as the morning begins to warm up, a lot of those numbers are going to get pulled up or sucked uphill or even pulled up into the atmosphere and not settled down to that bowl. So that location... And for that exact spot, I do have figured out a little bit better. Now, I do think I am going to switch to a different tree that's just a few yards away that's going to give me a better opportunity to shoot on both sides of that thick hardwood cover where I have a little bit better, better sight into these pines. But that will be for another time. Now, the other area that I wanted to focus on even more is further to the south where these oaks were. You know, a lot of... The trail camera data was showing that there's a lot more activity further down in this location and the fact that they with all these sniffy oaks in the area I knew that was a much an area that had a lot more draw to it simply because of the good food source so the next spot that I tried or looked into was getting down further into where these oaks were now the problem is is most of this is all the you know saplings and whatnot where you know it's so heavily dense in there that it's hard to move in there without causing a bunch of noise and ruckus Um, and you know potentially there's deer bedded in there these little pockets where there's a little bit of openings within the oaks a deer could be bedded down in there so i was very cautious about wanting to come in here but again as we got into november you know basically decided to be a little more aggressive so i came out of my spot from the north managed to cut through as best i could through these oak saplings and set up in this pine tree that's basically kind of in the middle of of the of the oaks really of a lot of these oak saplings you've got mature oaks off to the east and then back down the main pocket of mature oaks down to the southwest as well so the idea was basically to be able to shoot anything that would come off the adjacent property so the idea was to try to catch anything that was coming off this adjacent property to the east there's some significant pine there is a little bit uphill from my location there is this open field on the adjacent property as well i don't think that's actually doing anything you know from being able to Use binoculars and look into this field. It's basically a dried out field. It's basically looks like an old like CRP type field, or maybe an old, I don't know, something that is all dry. It's nothing green in there. But, but based on the travel movement that a lot of the bucks are doing, so a lot of the does I observe would be traveling more north and south on this property around the property I'm hunting. A lot of the buck movement was more east to west. So I I anticipate that a lot of the bucks are coming off of these these thicker pines cutting across the private ground and then into this public land where I'm hunting so the goal was to try to get in here on this pine tree and cut and catch these bucks as they're coming off the adjacent property into these oaks now one thing that I you know having been this being the first time really getting in here from this direction i didn't really anticipate that based on where i had my camera and the angle where the deer were actually approaching after doing some further analysis of the pictures the deer were actually coming out further to the north on this main trail instead of coming down in front from the south where i had initially thought the the bucks would be primarily coming from so i realized after scouting a it one more time and looking at my pictures again that these bucks are cutting up and going north of this tree so me coming in with anything with a south wind these bucks would get downwind to me so especially if they were coming through from the east and coming from the east heading to the southwest they were cutting behind me and potentially going to catch my wind and with this thicker cover that's behind me, I wouldn't have even seen the buck before they even catch wind of me, probably bug out without me even knowing. So with that additional information from my cameras as well as having scouted the area again and realizing that the primary trail is potentially further north than what I thought, I decided to change my game plan a little bit again. So ultimately, as you can see now, I've got these new stands marked. Basically one that comes in from the north and one that comes in from the south. So the idea here is, again, if anything was a south wind, especially if it's out of the southwest where it's blowing my scent basically in the direction of my access route, I can set up on this pine tree here still within shooting range of that main trail i can see across to these other mature oaks as well as i can see into these pines and potentially get a shot on another one of the main trails that a lot of the doe movement comes down so it was a much better setup where i can still be Quite aggressive and shoot within the main trails. I anticipate a lot of the deer movements coming from. But then also, I'm not getting into the vast majority of the cedars, or not cedars, I'm not getting into the vast majority of those oak saplings, getting into where potentially there's going to be a deer bedded in there or, you know, hold up in this thicker cover. And then because I don't want to be limited on the wind direction and when I can get in there the next location again is coming from the south so basically pick the next closest tree that's south of the main trail and that primary oak spot so this one's a little bit trickier it would be a little bit further shot so if anything does come further south of my initial my initial pine tree that I picked, that would be a nice close shot there. For this other trail to the north, we're looking at a further distance. So actually what that distance would be, let's see if they were all the way up in here. That's a 38 yard shot, so not bad. So I could still shoot that main trail further north heading into those oak saplings as well as i'm covered further south if they come in short of that trail as well again coming from the south anything with a north w- north wind especially if it's a northwest wind where it blows more into the front part of this private piece that i can slip in and out without the deer wind in me so, so that's the spots there. I am gonna continue to run cameras here, probably for another week or so before rifle season. Once rifle season kicks off, I'm gonna pull my cameras, just in the event that someone decides to get some sticky fingers and try to take my cameras out. I can pull them out of there. So I am gonna try to hunt these areas a couple more times, because uh, I did have uh, basically the 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 big nine point that I've been primarily trying to focus on. He came through this last Friday and it was at 1040 AM. So basically I missed him by day. I actually went out this, the following day and ended up pulling the cards from the cameras that next morning and realized that he was up cruising. Even with his warmer temperatures, he was out moving around. So another indication, I think that is something is going to be focusing on in this area is the one doe that I saw with her fawn I went out just the other morning and realized and saw that she was out roaming around and her fawn was nowhere to be found so either her fawn got killed somehow or she's becoming receptive and has kicked her fawn to the side um, as she's getting prepared to be bred so this area still has some great potential it's taken me a long time to figure it out hopefully with some of the mistakes that I made that I didn't bugger up the area And announce my presence too much to those mature bucks so yeah I still got some potential and before the orange army comes out to try to get one of these bucks with my bow so this is just kind of a recap again I really love doing in season scouting I love using this mapping system so this is hunt stand you know, if one of the ones I've used the longest for a mapping system for hunting, it does give me the most options in regards to being able to color coordinate. It also allows me to basically pinpoint any type of sightings I've had or harvest and you can actually collect data on this so you can actually build a track record or trends of different times you've encountered deer, different harvest times, so you can actually look at time of time of day day of the month, temperature, barometric factor, wind direction, wind speed, and you can actually start looking at trends to see when you've seen the most movement, when you've seen the most deer, as well as you can also track and keep track of your trail camera pictures within the software as well. So a lot of good features with it to be able to collect all your data and build that bigger picture. So you're basically taking all these different puzzle pieces together and using it to build a pinpoint plan of attack and how to address these areas. And again, a lot of times when I end up having a bad sit or things aren't going as I thought, I get down, I start scouting more to try to learn more as well. Basically the same thing that happened, this spot further to the south where these acorns were, you know, if I didn't put forth the effort and scout it ahead of time, then I wouldn't have been able to you know move into an area where that's going to be a little bit higher potential to catch up with one of the bucks So if I would have caught it in this next season, you know doing scouting this next spring or after season It would have been too late for this year It's another good way to great again to catch any potential, you know the freshest sign if you walk an area that you've You know scouted in the past or even a new area, if you find something fresh a fresh scrape a fresh rub something like that or especially a fresh food source um that's really hot you know that's the time to move into it and try to capitalize so you know with this i'm trying to get this area figured out i'm trying to get these bucks figured out you know i am i am you know catching on the fact that i'm trying to punch above my weight class when trying to go after some of these more mature bucks um you know i'm making quite a few mistakes learning these new areas but you know, ultimately, I'm taking the best knowledge I got on hand, making the best decision, and trying to move in and capitalize the best I can and learning as I go. So that's one of the big keys I really wanted to uh, make sure that or hope that you take away from this and kind of looking at you know the breakdown of the, one of the properties that I've been focused on, my thought process of how I'm um, attacking the area and some of the resources I use to keep track of it all as well. So with that, you know, I went on a little long, kind of bounced around a little bit about some of my ideas. Hopefully you're able to follow along uh, if you're just listening. Again, if you want to have the visual of what I was talking about, you know, head on over to my YouTube channel or head on over to Rumble. Again, as MI Hunting Podcast. And you can actually watch the video and look at the actual mapping that I was talking about to get a better idea of what I'm, you know, the lay of the land of what I'm looking at as well. So, again, it is the first week of November right now. You know, the rut is still going on. I've gotten, like I said, I've gotten pictures of bucks cruising in the middle of the day, even though I haven't been able to catch up with any of them yet. They are up on their feet, they are cruising. Now's the time to start stay a little bit longer in the stand. And again, this is the time of year where even if you're not seeing deer, if there's no action in you, it can change in a heartbeat. I hope that you're able to get out there. We do have a cold front moving in. Well, a bit of a cold front anyways. We're going to get about a 10-degree drop here in the next few days. So hopefully, again, that helps us with that daytime movement, gets those bucks feeling a little more frisky, wanting to run around during the daytime. So I hope you have a chance to get out there. Over the next week or so before the again before rifle season starts and with that this is a wrap so as always get out there be safe and have fun